you are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And on today's show, we got to talk more football before we dive truly headlong into March basketball here. So I've got more sound bites for you, this time from Missouri defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes and a couple young defensive backs on the Missouri roster, Ennis Rakestraw and J.C. Carlisle. But first, the congratulations goes out to Missouri's Drew Smith, who was named by the league coaches as first team all SEC. Also, congrats to Jeremiah Tillman on getting second team All SEC, according to the league's coaches. And also, Drew made the all defensive team in the conference as well. And also on Twitter, I jokingly called it the all rotation team because eight players made both the first and second teams of the SEC, which I've always found a little bit strange. Like, are, are we gonna if we're gonna say it's first team? Well then, okay, fine. Pick 12 guys. Then I guess. I don't know. Eight seems more like a rotation. Five is a starting lineup. I don't know. We've always called it first team has been five guys in my world. I don't know when we decided to change that, but clearly I was not consulted. Also allow me to quibble a little bit more with the all SEC first team and just say, hey, if we're going to put eight guys on the first team, well, can we at least make it some semblance of what a basketball team would actually look like because on among those eight guys correct me if I'm wrong but there's really nothing even coming close to a center among those eight guys much less even a, a traditional big guy or power forward for that matter I can't say John Petty or Herbert Jones is a true power forward those guys are much more face up shoot a three take you off the dribble type players So to me, the idea that Jeremiah Tillman didn't make first team all SEC is a little bit shocking. And I was going, well, wait a second, who who could have possibly been better at center than Jeremiah Tillman? Well, it certainly wasn't Colin Castleton, who also made second team, by the way. We just saw Tillman dominate him down in Gainesville. But I don't know, to me, the fact that there's no center on an eight-man All-SEC first team, that's just wild to me. I'm not particularly militant about having exactly five positions like, oh, you have to have a point guard, shooting guard, small four. Don't get me wrong, that's a little bit too far for me, but to have no big men among the top eight, I think that's kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. And Jeremiah Tillman, you, my friend, were kind of screwed by the coaches. And speaking of a guy who could easily be considered a center, certainly a big man in 2021. Well, it's Jonte Porter. And Jonte has officially been called up by the Memphis Grizzlies from the Memphis NBA G League franchise where he played a few games, averaged about, oh, I don't know, 14, 15 minutes a night. So we'll see. I think the Grizzlies are certainly going to take it slow with Jonte I wouldn't be surprised to see him play a few minutes here or there for sure, but the idea that he's going to be a huge part of their rotation at this point of the season, obviously not going to happen, but they're going to try to see what he looks like 
in an NBA uniform in an NBA locker room and just kick the tires on him. So hopefully, hopefully all systems are go for Jonte and his knees at this point. Certainly the Grizzlies are really patient with this type of deal and they have a good reputation with handling injuries. So hopefully Jonte has indeed landed in the right spot and this will be the start of a successful NBA career for him. And you know what, before I move on to coach Steve Wilkes and those two young defensive backs for Missouri, I want to get to, let, let me play for you a soundbite from Eli Drinkwitz. This was from a few days ago, didn't get to it yesterday, but it was about Sean Robinson and I think it's well worth everybody hearing this bite. So you know what, that's as good a setup as any, let's just play it for you. You know, I made a made a cut up for for the team about the way Sean practices compared to everybody else. And if our whole team would practice the way Sean Robinson's practicing right now, with urgency, intense intensity, and, and great focus on detail, um, we'll be a championship football team. Uh, but we got to continue to raise our level. But he's setting the standard for us on how to practice. Um, he he knows he's going to go out there and make mistakes, but it's about growing and learning from each one of those mistakes. He plays really fast. He plays really hard. You know, my only interaction with him today was yelling at him to stay off the quarterback. I think he's got some pent-up energy against Brady Cook, and he's really going to take him out right there. But nice play. He's playing good. Um, like I said, there's, mistakes are part of growth. I saw a tweet the other day, uh, the value is in the struggle. The struggle is the value. And, and so, you know, he's learning to, to struggle and fight through it and get better. And that's really what football is, right? It's just a constant constant struggle it really is and and the people who win the people who are most successful well well quite frankly they embrace that struggle and that's kind of a, really a, a small version of life if you think about it life is often a constant struggle but those who succeed those who fight against it those who battle against it well, they have good habits, good attitudes, and certainly we've heard from from Sean Robinson, and he's got a great attitude in spades. You can tell that without a doubt. And Eli Drinkwitz really believes in that kind of positivity. You can tell from his from his quote there, and you can just tell by what kind of man Eli Drinkwitz is in general. And while I've certainly got plenty of March Madness to talk about on this podcast moving forward. Well, there's something even more important than March Madness, and that's Built Bar Madness. Yes, you heard me. This is the real bracket that matters, at least for me and all of my friends. Yes, that's what we're going to talk about constantly, and that's the following. Which flavor of Built Bar is the best? Well, today you can go to BuiltBar.com and vote on the matchup between German chocolate versus salted caramel or Mocha Love versus white chocolate birthday cake mocha love versus white chocolate huh interesting maybe some racial ramification oh i guess i'm probably not supposed to point that out in this copy but you know what no one's paying attention so what the heck just go to builtbar.com use the promo code locked on 20 and you'll get 20 percent off your next order again Use the promo code LOCKEDON20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com and be sure to vote for your favorite flavors in Built Bar Madness. I'm covering everything you need to know about the Tigers, but what about the rest of the sports landscape? 
Well, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered with Locked On Today, hosted by Peter Bukowski. It's all the sports news you need every morning in under 20 minutes. So follow Locked On Today on Spotify, subscribe on Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And since I ended my previous segment with Eli Drinkwitz talking about Sean Robinson, well, let's hear from Steve Wilkes on the man as well. Sean Robb, you know, being an athlete, playing quarterback, making that transition to safety, he understands what it means now to flip that mindset and be a quarterback of the defense, you know, where the quarterback is looking, what they're trying to imp- implement with the, the 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 splits and the formations and those kind of things. So I think he has an edge uh, on some other guys just because of his ability uh, that he's played quarterback. Yeah, it's interesting to hear Steve Wilk's perspective there because I really believe that that is an advantage for Sean Robinson. As a safety, especially if he's going to be playing more zone coverage in this Steve Wilk's scheme as it appears, well, it certainly helps to be able to think like a quarterback. That might be in the art of war or something, right? Knowing how to think like your enemy Well, again, if you've been a quarterback, you're going to know how to think like a quarterback. So Sean Robinson, that really may give him an edge. And I think we saw some really unique instincts last season in that Mississippi State game for a guy who really has never played the position, at least at a high level. Now, if you watch the Tiger defense closely last season or you just listen to this podcast regularly, well, you know that Missouri played a lot of tight, man-to-man defense, especially with one safety deep. And, well, that's a heck of a lot different technique-wise than playing a lot of zone coverage. And specifically, that resulted maybe in the Missouri cornerbacks not getting as many chances to get turnovers as you might have expected. Those guys have really picked up the zone concepts a lot. They played a lot of man last year, which – you saw really the, the limited amount of uh, takeaways because our back was to the ball all the time. Now, with zone eyes, being able to see two to one, going through the route progression, getting the jump on the quarterback, I've been very impressed with how quickly we picked those things up. Well, that sounds all well and good in theory, right? Oh, hey, we'll have their guys. If we play more zone defense, we'll have defensive backs that have their eyes more toward the ball They'll be able to break on the ball, maybe make some more turnovers. Hey, that all sounds fantastic. So why doesn't everybody play zone defense all the time, right? Well, interestingly, I thought Ennis Rakestraw, who has one season under his belt as a Missouri corner, he started as a true freshman last season. I thought he showed some pretty a pretty mature perspective on that, showing both the upsides and downsides of playing zone versus man in this following soundbite. The good thing about zone is that you you got vision, but also that can be a bad thing because if you got bad eyes, you lose sight of the receiver, he, he can get you with a double move and, and be gone. So the thing to me that's going to be the most difficult right now is that I'm learning something new, is that now I, I got to pay attention to the quarterback, but also recognize routes now. So now it's about me growing up and um, start finally trying to identify the routes and see how – uh, point and run day routes so I can be able to jump on the ball and, and have the fans have a good feeling and go crazy. So that's what I got to focus on. 
So like just about everything in football, there's a give and take, right? You can't take away everything. And if you'll notice under Ryan Walters the past couple seasons, well, a lot of those say five yard out routes, those sort of soft coverage routes to the boundary of the field that were often open for years and years and years under Gary Pinkle and Matt Eberflus and their rather zone-heavy systems. Well, you notice that those passes were mostly taken away by Missouri last year when they play their tight man-to-man coverage. But there's a trade-off there, of course, like Ennis was saying. you got If you're going to sit back in zone, you've almost got to give up those sort of five to eight yard throws to the boundary of the field and hope that hopefully the quarterback will just miss some every once in a while. Because if you break on every single one of them, all it takes is one little double move and it's an 80 yard touchdown. So a real balance there has to be learned by all of our defensive backs for certain. But for as much as we as fans and beat writers and podcasters and observers, what have you, to like to talk about scheme defensively, well, it seems like Steve Wilkes has a bit of a different emphasis as far as he looks at football, and I want to get to that. But first, of course, our friends at BetOnline.ag need a little bit of love. And would you believe former Missouri basketball player Jordan Clarkson is minus 400 at BetOnline.ag, the favorite to win the NBA's sixth man of the year award Utah with the best record in the league at the all-star break you know I think Jordan could easily be considered the most improved player in the league as well not that he hasn't had his moments in his career but to me Clarkson was always just a guy who was just kind of out there playing with no real context of the game happening around him I, I just wasn't ever sure he was a winning basketball player but I don't know under Quinn Snyder, these past couple of years, especially this year, it sure seems like the light has come on for Jordan. And, you know, his scoring, his his natural ability to get into the paint, his athleticism, it's all starting to pay off in the form of a really, really good NBA player. So that's fun to watch. But you know what? The real point here is to remind you to go to betonline.ag and sign up for a free account. And when you do, when you fund your account initially, be sure to use the promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus on top of whatever you've initially deposited. So again, don't forget to use that promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus at bet online, your online sportsbook experts, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? Well, if you want to know more, you need to subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. Now, once again, we as fans, and I'm certainly as guilty of this often as anyone, we tend to focus on scheme and play calling over just simple fundamental technique because often, well, frankly, we don't know that much about fundamental technique. Even those of us who played high school football, which I am not one, by the way, but let's say you played offensive line in high school. Well, I'm sure you know a heck of a lot more about line technique and line play than I do, but when it comes to, say, I don't know, defensive back technique, 
can you honestly say you know a heck of a lot more than your average fan? Well, maybe not. Steve Wilkes even emphasized in the press conference that he tells his players that we're not really trying to out-scheme the opponent. We're trying to out-technique them, out-fundamental them, that kind of thing. And even further to that point, what I thought was the most interesting is Steve Wilkes, a guy who's known as a defensive backs coach, well, actually, his philosophy is aligned with Eli Drinkwitz, and that's that he wants to stop the run first. Well, I think it, it really depends on who you're playing. You know, I can give you an overall and say that, you know, within our defense, we, you know, we gapped out, we gapped sound, that everybody has a gap. It's about being disciplined and staying within your gap. Um, you know, eight-man front, you know, being able to incorporate split safety at times. But uh, it's just a mixture because – when you look at, you know, uh, across the board, whatever level, you know, it's very hard to limit the, the guys in the passing game. Guys are going to get their passing yards. The one thing you can't do, Colin, is try to allow those guys to be able to run and pass. It's going to be a long day. So the, our number one deal is to stop the run first. So if I'm taking that at its face value, it seems like we're kind of going back more toward a bend but don't break style zone defense and by bend but don't break, I mean, you sort of concede, you know, again, those eight-yard passes to the sideline, but you maybe get more turnovers like Missouri did in the Pinkle era. But first of all, you're going to concede maybe some passing yards, but the thing is, you got to stop the run. That's their philosophy because guess what? If you're going to give up those eight-yard plays, occasionally you got to stop the run, get them in third and ten, third and 12, stop them on first down, second down, and get them into longer passing situations. That seems to be the philosophy here, especially in 2021 when you're facing just all kinds of improved quarterback play, improved, again, going back to scheme, but let's be honest. The scheme, go back and watch football 30, 40 years ago. The ball just comes out of the quarterback's hand so much more quickly. We figured out that, oh, Taking seven-step drops with max protection and having two-man routes, well, what happens when the play breaks down? Nothing good. But what we figured out is, okay, spread the defense out a little bit, get, a, get him in the shotgun, get the ball out of his hands a little bit quicker, and also have a guy who can move around a little bit and extend the play. And with all that said, it does make it seem like it's a heck of a lot harder to stop the pass than it's ever been. But to me, I think the downside there of this whole philosophy is, well, what if a team just is that good at passing and they just decide to abandon the run, throw it on you all day? doesn't seem like there's then much you can do about it. But again, this just gets back to the basics of football. you got to give something up to gain something. So you can kind of get a feel for what type of defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes is going to be already. And with all that being said, apologies to Ennis Rakestraw's roommate, J.C. Carlisle, didn't end up getting to any of his sound bites, but, you know, there wasn't anything too terribly noteworthy there. So, you know what, we're just going to get out of here, and I promise to see you all tomorrow after the Missouri-Georgia basketball game. So, until then, I'm John Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou. Mizzou.